he who has ears, he or she, who has ears, uh, let them hear what the angel has to say to the churches, what Jesus has to say to the churches. That's, that, that was at the end of every single letter we've read so far in these letters to the churches in the seven in Revelation 1 through 3. And you've, you've noticed that, right? I mean, that, that little thing at the end. And I, I don't know about you, but I just don't speak like that too much. I'm not sure exactly. I had to look it up. Like, I'm not sure exactly what is meant by that. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you guys say that often? I don't know. It's just like a catchy phrase you say at home, like, you know, to your kids when they're not listening. Hey, <laughs> he who has ears. Let him. You don't, you just don't say, I don't know. It's just not in my vernacular. Uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible that aren't in my vernacular, and you're probably thankful for that. I know my family is. But um, I, I, I went and tried to figure out what... It's, it was actually a, a saying that was fairly popular at the time. What it meant was that your heart... I hope your heart actually starts to act upon the truth that you've been given. I was, to be, <clears throat> I was to be as forthright as I can be. I don't know how else to be, honestly. My wife always texts me before every, every Sunday when I'm getting ready to uh, come up here because she knows I don't, just to be honest, she knows that I don't uh, always feel like I should be up here. And so, and part of that reason is because the very word of God that we talk about and the gospel that we try to, to, to yell about from this stage um, is also very convicting of, of me too, you know. That I go through the same ringer. It's not like, it's not like I'm, I stand up here with some sort of, because I'm, I'm preaching and I'm on this, this wooden thing that, that means that the word of God doesn't doesn't touch me. I just got some word for you. Uh, it doesn't work like that. And it, it, honestly, it, unfortunately, it does for lots of people who preach. It does work like that. But it, I'm, I, I praise God it doesn't work like that for me. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't. She, she texts me because she knows I don't feel that. So she always says just, she always says almost the same thing every time. Maybe some different wording, but it basically says, just speak the truth. And that's hard if you really think about it. I mean, Paul said in Ephesians something along the lines of, uh, don't, it's not just about not lying. It's also about speaking the truth in its wholeness, you know. And here's the thing is, if you're paying attention to this series, then you know we're in the last church, right? Uh, in this, of the seven letters. And this is the church of, however you want to pronounce it, uh, Laodicea, Laodicea. And uh, it's a famous one. It's probably the most famous one, and uh, probably is most famous for a reason, especially in America, because it, it is probably the most applicable one to you and me. I'm not trying to, like, 
dismiss any of the other letters, but uh, I just can't help but think that that this is extremely applicable. Not the other ones were too, but this one's just so loud. You know what I mean? It's so loud and uh, deafening, in fact. And um, so he or she who has ears, I hope you hear. You know. I hope I hear, I hope our hearts actually take action on that which is, which is true. And, I, and I, I don't want to sound, gosh, I don't want to sound um, defeating even at the beginning here, but I, I want you to hear me out. Laodicea, um, it's a town that's you know, no longer with us, Except some ruins. But uh, I don't, I'm not so sure that they actually had ears to hear when Jesus himself preached this sermon to them. The reason I, I think that is because it didn't seem like anything ever took you know, they stayed, they, even after this letter came out, John writing it from the island of Patmos, even though it came to their city, even though it came to their church and the Christians that were there, even though they, they read it and they knew it was from the Most High God, directly, word for word, to their particular church. It's just, history bears out, it just didn't seem to change. And I, I'm not like trying to like, like I said, I'm not trying to be defeatist, but at the same time I think, what good am I going to do bringing this sermon to you? In the most rich, opulent, incredibly blessed nation in the history of mankind. Exist, that's who Laodicea was. They were rich beyond belief. Now, we're, we're going to get into the passage, but I just feel like I've got to give you some background so you understand what in the world, who these people were. Because we've talked about that with every city so far, right? But this is an interesting letter because this is one letter. Before we even start to read it, understand this. You're not going to find anything positive in it. Jesus sometimes, but he will at least, hey, this church here, you guys are doing this pretty well. Before he starts to badmouth them a little bit, you know what I mean? But in this one, they're not doing anything well, apparently. At least nothing to be noted. So understand that before we get in. The second thing is the reason this rings out so true and is so famous with us is because it is so much like us in so many ways. So rich. I mean, this was like a bedroom community, right? This, 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 Laodicea was built on this, on this hill. They had, they're digging right now. They're still digging for years and years. They've been digging and excavating all these, all these things. What they found is just incredible homes that people had. You know, back, back then, most people lived in like hundreds of square feet, right? Small houses, but not in Laodicea. They lived in thousands of square feet, you know. They had indoor plumbing, which was unheard of, you know. They had 
They had an incredible pipeline. They had, they had two or three theaters in a smaller town. They weren't even that big of a town. It was, it was the suburbs, really, you know. They had, they, they, if, there were a, if there was a pro sports team, they would have been there and allowed to see it, you know. They, they had it all. They, they were home of, 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 of lots of people who trade, you know, trading, banking industry. They were a home of uh, traders and uh, manufactured garments. We're going to get into that in just a little bit, but I guess I, guess I can't, well, I guess what I want to say is before we even dig into this, this passage is you need to understand before we ever get started, like this is, this is going to hit you. And if, if, it, if it doesn't, you're not listening. And I say that not in the sense of any sort of like, believe me, no sort of like pointing down at you. I say that because I, I, every time I read this, I, I, I feel such a need to repent. Myself, I mean, I just don't think it, uh, let's, let's read. I tell you what, we're going to read the passage entirely, but then we're going to come back and take a little piece at a time, okay? But I really feel like you need to hear the whole thing. So let's go, let's go ahead and, and read that. Sorry if I keep doing something. My microphone, there we go. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy (laughs) gold that's refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love are reproved disciplined, so be zealous and repent. So behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. That he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Now let's look at verse 14, the very first verse. Let's put verse 14 on the screen. And to the angel of the church, let us see write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Who is that? Jesus. It comes from Revelation chapter 1. And if you remember what was said, at least I know I, I kind of alluded to it in my last sermon, was that Revelation 1 is talking about this Jesus who we do not necessarily relate to all the time. Because we have this picture of who Jesus is. He's this guy with the long flowing hair. Remember the feathered hair and the sandals and the robe. And sings kumbaya and holds everybody's hand. But when you look at Revelation, this is not the Jesus you see. And the Jesus who is speaking to these churches is the one who holds the candlesticks in one hand and the stars in the other. And the eyes like fire and the hair like, like white wool. What's coming out of Revelation chapter 1. And so, in the beginning of these letters, 
he takes some of these attributes of who he is at the beginning of each one of these letters, some of which are repeating from chapter 1, but he only takes certain ones. And he takes certain ones because they have so much to do with what he's saying to his audience at the time. And so here we go. When he says the words of the amen, you guys know that word, right? We use it all the time. Amen? <laughs> it tricked you. Okay. It means, amen just means so be it. It means, oh yeah. In, you know. So if you want to say, oh yeah, instead of amen sometime, go ahead. Oh yeah? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So the reason we say that is because what we're saying is, I agree with you. I agree with that truth. But honestly, when it's used at the beginning of a saying or a prayer, instead of at the end, it has a little bit of... Are we done with this again? You want this? You want this? Uh, no, you can keep it. Oh, you sure? You want to sell it on eBay? Or? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. How come this doesn't... I think it's just me. I don't think it's a microphone. I think I just damaged it somehow. So, um, where was I? Amen. So at the beginning of things, usually it means this. It really means this. And, and from, the, from the Hebrew, it means uh, truth. You know, when Jesus would say a lot, verily, verily, I say to you, no, truth, truly, truly, I say to you. What is he, you know, remember the Gospels when Jesus said, I am the way, the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth, the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth, the amen. I am the truth, the faithful and true witness. I am the witness, which is the same word in the, in, in the original language as for the same word for martyr. I am the one who is a witness to the point of actually dying. I'm a witness to the state of where you're at, of who you really are. I see you for exactly who you are. Eyes of fire, see? The faithful and, and true witness. I've always been there, always will be there, and you try to, t- you think you know everything? You think you've got it all together? You don't. And we're going to get into that in a little bit more. And the beginning of God's creation. What does that say? Does that mean that he was created? It's not what he means at all. It means that he is creator. That he is the, he's been the, ever there since the beginning. And so these elements of who Jesus is speak loudly into what he wants to say to the people in Laodicea. Now, here's, we're going to do something interesting. I've never done this before with this particular passage, but we're going to skip verses 15 and 16. We're going to come back. We're going we're to go to 17. For you say, I am rich, Laodicea. I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I, um, when I was reading this, I started going through, you know, studying the words and trying to figure out, you know, what, what is Jesus really saying? Here's what Jesus is really saying. You're rich. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Do you notice this? I mean, there really isn't any way around this. You think you've, you've prospered. You, you think you have it all. You, you think you're, you're, you're good to go. In fact, some of you, maybe a lot of you, are actually misguided because you think your money and your stuff and your prosperity and your business 
is actually granted to you by God. You believe because God approves of you so much, he's blessed you with these things. And I tell you, you're not okay. Man, I've had that voice in my head um, last few weeks when I've been thinking about this sermon and being here on this morning. I, I... I can't help it. It's like this, this, this thing has been coming to me all the time. This, and it, this, here's the words, okay? And I, I, I don't know. I, I pray it's from the Holy Spirit, but he's, I, I think what, what I keep hearing over and over to Darren, are you okay with it? 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 I, I've heard that over and over. I try to think of some sort of cute way to put it into some sort of story with a guy with a giant sign that looks like John the Baptist and Towers. I couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything. And the reason is, is because it was just, it just was too heavy on my heart. I, I couldn't trivialize it. It's, are you okay with it? And maybe that doesn't mean anything to you right now, but I think it will. Because it hit me like a ton of bricks. Are you okay with it? You, they were rich. I think some of them actually convinced themselves that this was God's way of approving them. But here is the Son of God, God himself, telling them you're not rich at all. In fact, it's a direct opposite to Smyrna. Smyrna, they were people who were remaining faithful even though they went through poverty. And he, he says the total opposite to them. He told, you know, he praised Smyrna for even though they were facing trials and tribulation, even though they were facing persecution, even though they were, they were facing poverty, they still loved Jesus. He says, you, to allow it to see, it's more like you say you love me, but you are so rich, you, you really don't need me. You don't really pay attention to me. Not only that, but you think I do. And I don't. Because you, you don't need anything, you said. Put 17 back up there, please. Thank you. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing you're wretched, pitiable. I, take, I, I feel sorry for you. You're poor, blind, and naked. Let me tell you something allowed to see They were so rich because, and he goes through the listing of all the things that they're known for, for for where they got their money. You know, they got their money because they had an an incredible uh, business and lots of businesses going on. And they were a big trade merchant. I mean, they were big, they were the ones that were exporting everything. I mean, they were making tons of money, hand over fist, especially on on garments. And, And they had a textile industry that was amazing for that day. And he says, yeah, you're, you're naked, really. They actually had a medical school they were known for. More specifically, an eye medical school. Where they actually made this like powder that they would sell all over the empire. People would take the powder and put it in their eyes. 
Some of it was actually made out of crushed rock. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It didn't heal anybody, really. They, they, they were snake oil salesmen. That's what they were. And there's, there's, they had this, all this academia saying how great this... It sounds familiar, doesn't it? All this academia telling you how great this medicine is. And, and it, didn't do, you know, it didn't really work. And he says, you, you think you see so well. You're the experts, but you are blind. You don't see anything. You, you, you think you've, you, think, you, you ever had one of those moments where everybody in a room knows there's something wrong with you, but you? I check my zipper every time I come on this stage. <laughs> because why? Because, well, there's lots of reasons why. It's amazing how you can go, especially with your family who doesn't care, let you go all day long with something really obvious, obviously wrong. Like that person you're eating with, it's like you've got ketchup like all over your face, but they have no clue. I love not telling them. I want to see how far it goes. But here's Jesus is saying, you've got ketchup all over your face, you don't know? You think you're fine? You think you look good? And you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Let me tell you something, I, I can't help but think that there's more to this story than meets the eye. It wasn't just about them making money. It was about the fact, like it does, like with every church, we've told you some of the historical background, is that there were temples of worship everywhere. They worshipped everything you can think of, right? They had this God, that God. Uh, you had no idea what gods they were. Were there animals or people, androgynous people? You had no idea what kind of, what kind of, what kind of God they are going to worship. And at the time, during this time, there was an emperor who set up temples to himself. In fact... Uh, the, the, the Jews, the Jewish religion, there were a lot of Jews in Laodicea, by the way, lots of uh, reason to believe that archaeologically. And they were actually set aside by the Romans to say, well, they don't really have to do the worship of, uh, of the, because they, they have a different, uh, we, we respect their religion and so forth. And the Christians were actually kind of grouped with them under Judaism. But then this emperor came along about the same time this letter is being written. And he said, no. That's not true. The Christians are different, and they're going, they need to bow down to the gods just like you, the Romans do. He separated them from the Jews, and they became heavily persecuted if they, be, if they would not bow. And so there was an actual temple in Laodicea to this particular emperor who called himself God, who called himself the son of God. In fact, when his wife and some of his other friends tried to murder him, which they did, by the way, he said, bring it on because you can't kill me. I'm a god. And they killed him, and he wasn't, found out he wasn't a god. But here's the thing. People had to serve this emperor. They had to pay homage. And we've talked about this in other cities, of how some of these Christians would go without. They, they, they couldn't, because they did not want to deny the name of Jesus. In fact, this emperor actually put a mark on people, and you could only buy and sell if you had that mark. You couldn't even do business unless you belonged to the emperor. 
And so these Christians had to make a decision back then in Laodicea, just like in the other towns, as to whether or not they're going to follow Jesus. Why do you think they're rich? You see, it wasn't just because they were successful in what they did. They were successful even though as they put aside their faith and they compromised. They were pitiable, poor, blind. They were wretched. They were sinful because they loved the world and they loved their stuff way too much. They loved their jobs way too much. They loved the approval of their families way too much. They were working for retirement, not for Jesus. Well, that's verses uh, 18 and 19. Here's Jesus' response. I, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself. See what's going on here? You're rich bankers. You know what? You don't have it. You need, to, you need to buy gold from me that's refined by fire, meaning persecution maybe. He's even referring to suffering. The fact, the fact that you never, ever suffer, the fact that you don't never put yourself into any sort of suffering just goes to show that your faith really isn't even real, right? So that you may be rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourself. He talks about this in like, was it Sardis, I believe? He says, you have, you, there are some of you who are faithful to me and you're wearing, I, I've given you white garments, you have not sold your garments. This word garment, I mean, these garments are used a lot, a lot in Revelation, you see the, the martyrs in the end wearing the white garment. So he says, white garments referring to the fact that you have been cleansed by me, the fact that you are a part of me, the fact that you are with me. I will give you those white garments. You may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. <laughs> and salve. Remember the medical school? Salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I've got the real stuff. I rep- I, those I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So he, basically what he says is, I, those I love? See, he's talking to Christians here. See, that's the thing. I think some people really are convinced that he's talking to just the world in general, the city of Laodicea. He's not. It's to the church. He's talking to people who got together on Sundays. He's talking to people who went to worship. He's talking to people who were proud of who they were and what they did. And yet he says, I'm going to have to, I love you, but I'm going to have to discipline. There's got to be some discipline. There's got to be some reproof. I used to have a junior high basketball coach that was like that. He used to say, he used to yell at us all the time. I didn't think he knew what else to do except yell. Every time I went in his class for, for, for history, I thought he was just going to yell the whole lesson. I think he was hard of hearing. Like my grandma's cat that went deaf. 20 years old, 20-year-old cat, and he used to sneak up behind me and go, Meow! <laughs> Couldn't hear a thing. Scared me half to death. I used to take the cat and put it behind people just to scare him. And I'd poke at it. Meow! And they'd just jump. You know, like. He would do that. He'd just yell all the time. And one time I remember him telling me this. He pulled me aside. 
my little junior high basketball team of Assumption, Illinois, all 10 of us, he pulled me out of the 10. And he said to me, you better be liking the fact I yell at you. I said, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little kid. I don't know. Sure, I'm supposed to like. I don't like it, but yeah. He said, because if I didn't think you were worth yelling at, I wouldn't yell. I, I, and I remember that. I'm in my 50s. I still remember this conversation because I became like, basketball just became, you know, I just became like, this is the best thing ever because apparently coach thinks I'm pretty good. You know? Now, I know that sounds stupid, but the junior high student for me at that time, I needed that. He said, you're worth yelling at. I needed someone to tell me I was worth yelling at. And here's Jesus saying, I, you're worth yelling at. You're worth me writing this letter, all right? But here's the thing, you've got to change. You've got to stop it. Stop making those stupid plays that you're making out there. Quit, quit shooting the ball and pass to someone else who can. You know, he's, he's, you're worth yelling at. Now, so here's the thing. Now, let's go back to 15 and 16, okay? Because we, we skipped this little part, but it's so vitally important. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. You've heard this, right? I wish you were either cold or hot. But so because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, a lot of people say, and I'm very, I'll be really quick about this, but the actual geography and understanding of Laodicea turns the meaning of this entirely on its head. Because a lot of people say, well, what Jesus is saying is, I wish you were either hot, meaning that you're on fire for me, or that you were cold, that you just were with the devil. At least choose something. Quit being indecisive, because you're right in the middle and you're lukewarm. That's not what it means. The reason we know this is because they piped in their water. They had no water springs in Laodicea. And so all their water was actually lukewarm. And the reason it was is because the only cold spring from them was about six miles away in another town called Colossae. And Colossae, they would pipe in the cold water. The only hot springs was in another town called Hierapolis, which is just a few miles away. So they're getting their hot water from Sigil and their cold water from Altamont. And they're piping it in. By the time you pipe in cold water, it warms up. By the t- time you pipe in hot water, it cools down. So what do you end up with? See, the whole city knew exactly what he's talking about. What was he saying? He was saying, if you were hot, you'd be, that'd be awesome. If you were cold, that'd be awesome. You know, at least you're refreshing. If you were hot, at least you'd be healing. But instead, you're nothing. Instead, you're, you're not worth anything. Think of how strong these words are. In fact, so bad, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That spit is a bad word. It doesn't really necessarily capture what he's saying in the original language. He's saying, I'm going to... I mean, the worst word you can think of. Vomit. You've all had times when that's, you've been around that, right? And it's okay if it's your kids or you, but have you ever been around somebody who you don't know who vomits in front of you? I mean, just, oh. I was in junior high, and one of the coolest events that ever happened was in class with a little dude named Keith. Keith never talked. 
little guy with glasses, kind of mousy. He was sitting at that desk, you know, the desk that's attached to your chair that I couldn't, if I tried to get in now, I would never get out of it for the rest of my life. You have to like call in like the people with the jaws of life to get me, okay. He was sitting there and I just remember one day, we just turned around and I looked at Keith and he just didn't look good. And all of a sudden his mouth, or his, his fist goes to his mouth and his cheeks go. And I'm like, ooh. And sure enough, he did not make it anywhere. He didn't make it out of that desk. And just, everywhere. I mean, corn and stuff. It was just weird. It was just terrible. It was so disgusting. And I just, and and then you have the smell and the people bringing the pencil sharpening stuff or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it was just so, and, and it's like they evacuate the room, you know, and then they clean it up and then we go back. It's just still there, you know what I mean? Like, and poor little Keith is just sitting there, standing there against the wall, just like, get him out of here. Like, he's still in the room. I mean, no offense against Keith, but come on, poor Keith. He couldn't even stand. And they're, they're like, leave him there. He's going to do it again. In fact, the next, he started doing that again, and, and everybody just started screaming. <laughs> it's like, it was like the biggest thing that ever happened at our school, but it's just this is the exact word, Jesus. I'm going to vomit you out of my, my mouth. Let's go to 20. We're going to skip down to verse 20 because he says this. You've heard this. This is another famous passage. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You've heard this, right? If, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and, and he with me. This is a scathing verse. Some people love this verse because they think, what if, this is such an open invite. Jesus being so kind, open invite to anybody who's not a Christian. The problem is, here's what the biggest problem you have with it, is that he wasn't talking to Christians, I mean non-Christians. He wasn't talking to people who are away from faith. He was talking to people who are supposedly supposed to be in faith. He's talking to the people right here, right now, sitting here on Sunday morning. That's who he's talking to. And the reason he's outside is because he had a puke. He couldn't take it inside. I can't be with you anymore. The Son of God, God Himself, couldn't stand the church to the point of where He had to go outside. And now He's knocking to get back in. And He's not coming in unless you let Him. And the only way you're going to let Him is. Is to give up this lukewarmness. Let me talk about what lukewarmness is. Lukewarmness is this. I love this quote uh, from a guy named Kevin DeYoung. Lukewarmness is living your life as if you needed nothing from God. Does this, does this hit you? We'll stand up all day and say, I'm not an atheist. But yet we live like one. Why did Jesus say it's so hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven? Why, 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 did, why is it throughout the littered throughout the gospels? Why were there people like John the Baptist who went to his death, who, who Jesus said is, is a man that was the best man ever born of a woman, and he goes to his death without a thing? He wasn't successful. He wasn't prosperous. 
Or was he? See, what is, what is Jesus really saying here? And I think it's, we, t- we don't take it seriously enough what he's really saying here. What he's really saying here is that you've got so many things that are more important to you than me. And how dare you? How dare you lift up and, and hold up these things that you own? Or these places of reputation or or this money that you strive after? How dare you make life decisions based upon your need for those things? But yet me, you forget. And he's not talking to people who don't know him. He's talking to people who claim they do. It wasn't too many years after this, Laodicea built one of the most expensive and big Christian churches in the region. They had an earthquake once, and the government came in and said, hey, we'll help you rebuild. And they said, no, we don't want your money. We've got enough. Isn't that today? Isn't that America? I mean, isn't that you? I know it's me. We always put these like, sorry I'm going a little long today, but we always put these like things out there to each other like, well, if God really asked me to give up everything, you know, I would. It's always a what if. You know, it's always like, well, the rich man came, you know, and he said, well, sell everything you have it to the poor, but he didn't really mean that. <laughs> you know, he, he was just saying that because this guy had a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it, so I don't need you know. <laughs> I just, I can't help it. I, I'm just confessing to you. I'm really not even pointing to you. I'm pointing to me. I, I'm just confessing the fact that it just amazes me of how asleep I've been. <laughs> just amazes me about how important I have made so many things in my life that are just ridiculous when you compare it to Jesus Christ. I mean, what does he say at the end here? Look at the next verses, 20, 20 21, or 21, 20, what is it? There you go, thank you. The one who conquers, I'm going to grant to sit with me on my throne. You see, in that, in that temple of that emperor in Laodicea, it was this big throne, symbolic of who he was as God. He says, you don't get it, do you? Like, if you would just give up on the world here, I will grant you true power because I'm the one that's actually conquered and, you, and sat down with my father on on a real throne. That's what I'm going to give you. You see, we're so worried. I am so worried about tomorrow and making sure that I am and my family is comfortable. And in that comfort, 
I may lose my soul. I have two questions for you this morning. One is, are you lukewarm? I'm not, I'm not trying to judge you at all. I'm answering the same question, you know? But you've got to, are you? I, I mean, is Jesus the creator, son of God, is he everything to you? Is it obvious in your life, you know, in your, in your prayers? And when you wake up, when, you, when you're walking around, when you're going, I mean, is it obvious that he's everything to you? I mean, or, or, or do you just ignore him sometimes because you're just not sure you actually really need him? I mean, really, I mean, if, really be honest. Are you lukewarm? And the second question I have is, are you okay with it? See, that's the voice that kept coming to me through this whole time. And I, I didn't really know what to say all the time when I got up here. I, all I know is I, I, the Holy Spirit just keeps asking me over and over and over. Are you okay with it? Jesus' answer is this, and it's the only answer there is. Be zealous and repent. You know, it's interesting, the Greek word zealous there, zeleo, is the same word as zeo, or root word of zeo, which we had earlier in the text. And it's that word for hot. I don't think that's an accident. I think he's saying, be hot. Are you on fire for me? Do you really love me? Am I everything to you? Are you hot? You have to be zealous. A command. You've got to decide right now if you're going to be hot. If you're going to be zealous. And if that means sacrificing lots of things, start to look at everything in your life as temporary and mean nothing, I guarantee you, you will conquer with him and you will be on his throne with him and you will rule and you will, have, you will be amazed. And that on that day, is it worth giving up everything and go through poverty and persecution and problem after problem nowadays for that? And my answer is yes, 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 yes. But we are so pitiable, so poor, so blind, so naked. Are you okay with it? In the name of Jesus, Father God, I just pray for your blessing on this church. Oh Lord, this is a tough, tough passage for us because it hits us so hard. Oh Lord God, we are so, we, I am so lukewarm. I put so much of my time, effort to chasing money to chasing comfort and to Father, I never worry about where my next meal's coming from, honestly, obviously. Father, I, I never worry about much of anything. 
And because of that, I don't pray. Oh, Lord God, such a dangerous prayer, but I do pray, Lord God, that you discipline me. Father, I praise you that you love us, and I praise you that you're standing and knocking, that there's still time. So, Father, I pray there are some in here who need to answer that door, answer that call, that they do so, that we will be zealous, that we will become givers of our stuff like we've never been before. We will not see money the same way, that we will not see the world the same way, that we will not see our stuff the same way, we will not see our families the same way. Oh, Father God, we want you to be Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a good week after that.